Hey everybody, it's motherfucking moving day. It's me, it's me, JDO, and I'm here with Rios. Hi. We're doing Hello. we're doing moving stuff because we're moving right. to El Paso. What's up? What's I'm up? Sweating. What's up? Welcome to the 80th episode of the JDO what? show. What's what? What's what? What's what? Uh, today on the program, I have Brian Allen Carr. It's his release day for Sip, the best book of the year so far, and probably all the way to the end of the year. He really is one of my favorite writers, but he's also one of my best buds. Uh, we talk about a lot of funny shit in this one in particular. Uh, we were just cracking up for most of it. So I hope you enjoy just a couple of boys having a good time. Just uh, I was cracking some cold ones. He was probably cracking some sparkle waters or whatever. And we were just, just, being, just being rowdy. So enjoy this 80th episode of... The JDO show, and please do go check out Sip, go buy it. This is really, really important. This is Brian's kind of big debut. He's been on a lot of indies, but this is his first big uh, Soho release. So it's really, really, really important um, that you go out and get this book. It's it's a good book too, right? That's that's icing on the cake. But it's really, really important that we kind of take care of our own and we show up and actually purchase this book so that Brian can continue to write these uh, these fucking awesome monsters. Alright, I appreciate you listening. I hope you enjoy this 80th episode of the JDO Show with Brian Allen Carr. What's up, man? Hey, dude. What's going on? Not much. How you doing? Wow, you sound really good. Do I really? That's great. I'm just using uh, the computer. Oh, cool, cool, cool. Yeah, I think... Well, I was, uh, yeah. was worried. Yeah, yeah. Hold on. Sorry, I'm just looking at my. Uh, dun dun dun. Oh, it just gave me a message that said if you minimize your window, call recorder might not record properly. But I just said, "Fuck it, we're go. Fuck it, we're doing it live. We're doing it live, bro." All right. Cool. So you're waiting on the uh, on this fight, or, or what's what's going on, man? Yeah, so we got the fight, the McGregor-Mayweather uh, fight, but there's three fights before the fight. So, oh. you know, it's like 90 bucks, and it starts at 9. We didn't realize that there were going to be three three bouts first. It's in Las Vegas, and so it starts at like, I want to say 9.30 Las Vegas time. So that's 11.30 where I'm at, so... Mm-hmm. I got time to kill, man. A couple of my buddies are the dudes who were at their house. Uh, two of them ran out to a casino <laughs> to play some cards. That's because <laughs> you know, because otherwise they'll just get they'll get tired, they'll get nappy. Yeah, yeah. That's so. Wait, uh, so where where are you at? That's got casinos. Uh, okay, so I live in a town called Franklin, which is just south of Indianapolis, and then due east of us, there's a town called Shelbyville, and in Shelbyville, they have a casino and a horse track. Oh. I haven't been yet. Yeah, I need to go, I so, but uh, tonight was not the night, um, but I, I, I'm not necessarily certain why that casino is like sanctioned or legal it's not like in any casino like y'all had in like oklahoma mm-hmm. um, but I, I guess i don't know maybe i'm kind of new to indiana so maybe uh maybe gambling's just legal here i don't know yeah that always trips me out man because i i always it's it's funny to me the different i guess different state regulations on gambling and stuff like that like sure 
You know, have you ever been uh, gotten off the plane at the Las Vegas airport? I have not been through there. Oh my god, it is the wildest shit, dude! Like you step off your airplane, and there's Uh like like immediately slot machines in the airport, and like just all these smoking (laughs) sections. So there's people just like smoking cigarettes on the slot machine in the airport, like it's the yeah, dude. Yeah, it's just like what parallel universe have I? stepped into that is fucking awesome you know (laughs) you know i've only i'm trying to think how many times i've been in a casino i've been in one or two in oklahoma Mm -hmm. i'm not a big gambler man did you go to to riverwind was that the one we stayed in a town called durant and i only remember that because of kevin durant Mm -hmm. on our way when i lived in texas we would come up here because my wife's folks are from here and we passed through Oklahoma. I had a buddy who worked in uh, natural gas in Tulsa. We'd usually go and crash at his place. Mm-hmm. So I get my guess is Durant was somewhere between us and, and them or something like that. I can't really remember, but that's where we stopped. Dude, at. Tulsa and is such a great town. I love it's it. a good place, man. I, I, well, and that part of Oklahoma is beautiful. It is. Most people think of Oklahoma as like this kind of. I mean, a lot of Oklahoma's flat, and a lot like West Texas, kind of, or, or Central Texas, rather. Uh-huh. That, that part of Oklahoma's really pretty. Oh, um, yeah, he, for actually, sure. he actually just moved to, the guy who we stayed with, he, he moved to Houston. So right now, he is up in the hill country of Texas because of the, the oh, hurricane. Oh, right, because everybody there's getting fucked up. Uh-huh. My mom and dad live in Corpus Christi, which oh, is just, just across the way from Rockport. But they, they, their fence got knocked down, their back fence. But that was about it. My mom is uh, fairly uh, high up in a in a hospital, a children's hospital. She's like a vice president of nursing or something like that now. And so she, I think, she went to the hospital the day before yesterday, and, and she's still there, from what I understand. Oh, nice. Well, I mean, yeah, I was gonna say it's it's kind of interesting, like the people who evacuated and the people who were just kind of in yep. a situation where they said, well, we'll cross our mm-hmm. fingers and we'll see what happens, I guess. My dad my dad was supposed to um leave if it became a hurricane 3, but I mean a category 3. Yeah. But it jumped so quickly up from 1 to 3 that he like didn't have time to leave. He stayed at the house. My mom was in like a, you know, she's in like a a hospital that's like ultra protected for that kind of shit mm-hmm. so she uh she just settled in there i mean like mandatorily she she has to be there they mm. won't let her they won't let her leave that's hilarious that's hilarious <laughs> yeah but uh so when you went to the these did anything interesting happen at those it's a weird feeling man it's kind of like when you go i remember i didn't really used to go to strip clubs all that much but then once sure. i moved to portland you know the strip clubs are really great but there's sure. kind of a weird, you know, feeling when you first start going. Like it's mm-hmm. it still feels like kind of wrong to go into mm-hmm. them. And I always it... felt I always felt like strip clubs were kind of like uh, barber shops. Mm-hmm. Did you ever Did you ever get that weird sense that like they kind of smell like barber shops? Hang on one second. I the kids in the other room talking to me, so so I just <laughs> have, to have a conversation with my wife. That's okay. Uh, that's. Uh, uh, they smell like barber shops, but there's just like boobs everywhere, yeah. and and uh, just uh, people with dollar bills in their mouths. And yeah, they do probably feel like casinos, right? In that regard. Well, yeah, no, I think it's just it's one of those things where 
there is something to the the smell right it, all these places have their own unique smell like i don't yeah. even know what a casino really smells like but it it smells like a carpet that's been vacuumed like uh, way too much yeah you know? it, a vacuum smell yeah totally kind of like a hotel uh hallways no to- yeah 100 percent. and then it's also and this- like it's and the same kind of creepy feeling too, like where you know nobody loves being there. Well, no, and it's the <laughs> other thing too, man. Something. The other thing too is um, with strip clubs and with casinos, when you walk into them, you get a feeling that it's almost like you're in an ultra fascist state when you're there, and it's this kind oh, sure. of juxtaposition of like the super fun atmosphere, but also like if you step out of line, like if you're in a strip club and you take your phone out to look at the time or. If you're in a casino and you you stand in the wrong place when somebody's playing a hand of poker, like you just have this feeling that soon some fucking gorilla is going to come over and toss you. You know what I mean? Like it's it's mm-hmm. you, it's it's, it's, you know, it's, it's ultra fun, but then it also feels like mega rules at the same time. That's exactly how Disney feels too. <laughs> yeah, you're right, dude. <laughs> <laughs> like. Like, yeah, if you litter or something, they'll come and talk to you, and, and mm-hmm. that'll be a problem. Not that you would litter at Disney, but I remember I, I set my daughter up on, like, a ledge to take a picture of her. We took my daughter when she was, like, five, and, well, my like, my mom took us. I set her on a ledge to take a picture of her, and no sooner did I kind of, like, let go over that a guard, like, tapped me on the shoulder and was like, you can't have her stand there. Whoa. And, so, so I mean, like, just, yeah, I think you're right. I mean, I think that everything's hyper-monitored. Isn't it crazy uh, that that guy, even though the movie wasn't all that good, that remember that guy made that movie in Disneyland? That was pretty wild. Did you ever see that? I didn't. I didn't see that at all. I did see like well, like an exit to the gift shop, mm-hmm. right? There's that scene where they do that stunt at the Disney. I guess that's World in California. I heard about the movie in Disney, but it's it's bizarre to me that they could do anything like that. Yeah, because yeah. it is so hyper monitored. Yeah. No. Well, I guess you know you got so many people out there with. Uh, you know their cameras and stuff like that it's just it's so mm-hmm. so i learned the word ubiquitous uh recently so i'm going to mm-hmm. use that here you know cameras That's are so word. cameras are so ubiquitous there that you kind of don't notice it right did it no did that I, makes did i no, say it right no, i think you did <laughs> I, I think you did but yeah i think you're also right i mean i, I think that um it's their commonplace well anymore oh my god like any more cameras are just everywhere everybody's got their phones up all the time yeah, it's freaky, kind of. To be honest it, with it, you, it, well, it is weird, and it's kind of like, I don't know, man. I was watching this uh, uh, video recently where this dude was talking about how um, everything we do now is based on this like triangulation of our two thumbs and our eyes, right? And holding mm-hmm. like a phone out in front of us, like this this sort of this this sort of focus onto like one lens through which we see everything else, mm-hmm. and that just kind of makes me wonder about. Well, you know, because now kids are being born and they're immediately put in front of screens. Mm -hmm. I wonder if there's going to be some kind of, I don't know, massive change in the way our brains are structured or something, you know? Well, I think think already, I mean, we consider everything to be content. Like, there was those kids in Florida a few weeks ago and they just, like, a few weeks ago was when the story came out. I don't know when it actually happened, but, right, they videoed that dude drowning. What? I didn't hear about that. Yeah, so there was a couple guys in Florida with their phones. They were teenage boys, from what I understand. And a guy, you know, and again, I don't know all the specifics of the story, but from my understanding, he was, like, 
distraught because he had issues with his lady and perhaps he was in some way, shape or form, uh, um, uh, handicapped mm-hmm, in some mm-hmm. regard. And so he walked out into like a pond and they filmed him drowning. And like the whole time they were like, Hey man, you're going to drown. Blah, blah, bloop. Mm-hmm. And they, they just filmed him drowning. Wow. That's and, like, that's like that, that Genesis song, but like creepier. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, you know? <laughs> if you told me you were drowning, I'd probably film it on my phone and put it up on world star. Yeah. I've gone viral today. Okay, I'll stop. But um, no, I mean that's that's exactly. I mean, I I they, that must have been what they thought in their brains is just like, oh, this is such good content, which is, is bizarre. It is weird, man. And you know, there have been a couple of times in my life where I've I've been approached uh, to work for content places, mm-hmm. and I just never could do it. You know, I, there were uh, almost every time I said yes. Because that's mm-hmm. just, that's, you know. Try just, it out. Yeah, I like to try things out. And every single time when I was actually set down, I got hired by, you know, that website Ranker? It's kind of like a BuzzFeed sure. type, type thing. And uh, so, yeah. yeah, so they basically, they said, yeah, here's your first assignment or whatever. And um, I, I set about to putting this thing together. And it's on the internet. I don't feel like linking to it because, sure. you know. Um, but anyway, I was just like, this feels fucking wrong, dude. Like there's something not right about this. Like this I is this is not a yeah. job for people who actually want to be writers, like in the sense that you and I are writers. You know what I'm saying? Well, yeah, mate. I don't know. I always kind of envy people who can just bash out stuff though, too, because I I think I'm like you that um I I can't I can't write content. I studied journalism as undergrad, and I wrote sports for a while, mm. and I I always felt really gross doing any kind of reporting um and i've done some here and there like in some nonfiction writing and stuff but yeah i have like an aversion to uh writing on deadline for whatever reason mm-hmm. and writing yeah stuff that feels like quote-unquote content it feels funky to me i have a hard time just getting myself to go and i, I think that's more about like me being a procrastinator than me like having morals <laughs> well, it's, not even, it's not even a morals thing it's it's completely different work you know and i feel mm-hmm. like there's this big umbrella term of writing but then sure. it's like you know i mean a person who you know let's say there's a, a farmer who is pushing a horse that has a plow right and then sure. there's a there's a horse racer you know they both deal with horses sure but it's a different different beast couldn't be further from from each other you know and i mean even within fiction you know it's this big catch-all term which you know it it, Mm -hmm. i get to the point where you know i went through my little phase where i I would go online because i would kind of have like a revelation about my own work and craft and i'd be like i have to share this with with the people you know Mm -hmm. and then now i'm at a point where i feel like i'm just i'm just like all that shit is fucking silly because it's such a personal thing that everybody has to go like you have to find out not just what kind of writer you are, but what kind of fiction writer you are. And then within that genre, like what kind of writer you are in there. And, you know, it's, sure. all, it's all very like self-exploratory. So it just seems, well, seems weird to me. And I feel like so much of being a writer is not about being a writer at all, but it's about being a person, right? And mm-hmm. so, I mean, I, I think that kind of gets lost in the whole idea and the discussion of craft because being a writer is about being a person and a thinker and a feeler. 
And, and I know that like craft is kind of this thing that people like to talk about, but uh, my assumption for me is that craft kind of changes almost daily, daily, but in the same way as like how I am as a person and a thinker. I mean, like time changes and my emotions change and my emotional register changes. And I don't generally approach work the same way. I don't, I don't really read what other people say about writing. So like, I don't read, I'll read interviews, but generally like with other writers, if they start talking too much about writing, I'd much rather like them to read interviews from writers talking about just how, what they do in life and stuff, because I don't, who gives a fuck how other people write? I mean, that's my opinion, and mm-hmm. I, um, yeah, I don't know. I don't, I don't, I don't know how it works. Like with writing, I, I think some some people like they like to really fascinate on the sort of notion of sitting down and writing and like the creation of stuff, and I don't find that interesting at all. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I find just like thoughts on life much more interesting than thoughts on writing. Mm-hmm. I'd much rather hear about like sandwiches you like than how you wrote a fucking novel. Me, I'm for actually, me, and maybe that's me being a dick, but I don't know. I don't think so, man. Because I've I've actually started to really enjoy going on Instagram and looking at pictures of people's food. People take like pretty badass pictures of their food, that's, and that's like yeah. the number. That's like the number one thing that people go uh, along with, uh, like young women taking selfies. People mm-hmm. go after that and uh, and food. And, mm-hmm, and personally, sure. I like both of those things. You know what I mean? It's, like, I'll it, look at those it, things for hours. It's porn. Both both things. <laughs> it's food porn and <laughs> and body porn, right? Yeah, right. no, I will too. Mm-hmm. Well, mm-hmm. yeah, we've got we've gotten really really good as a culture, like uh, at, at presenting food and taking pictures of food and talking mm-hmm. about. Um, you know, I, I was watching on Netflix that dude who I guess he worked on on. Uh, uh, God damn it, Food Inc. I can't remember his name. He has another kind of thing on Netflix called maybe Fire. I don't know, but he was talking about how like food porn is sort of uh, uh, hinges on on the idea that we don't cook as much anymore for ourselves. Right. So we like to like watch other people cook, and like we we still want a relationship with food because we eat food, but we want it to be kind of a surrogate relationship. But same as porn, yeah. right? Like right. same as porn. Right. I, well, I don't. Well, I mean, I don't even know. Like, I don't even know how I would live in both cases, like porn and and food porn. I don't mm-hmm. even know realistically how I would live my life if that was my life. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? Because sure. I mean, if I have sex like one time in a day, I mean, I feel like I'm pretty. You're satiated. I'm worn out, man. That's that's sure. the thing is that I I get I get sleepy, you know, and. Um, mm-hmm. And so, you know, you're, like, watching, like, these... And I know it's all fantasy and stuff like that, but these people Mm -hmm. have to put in some serious... Like, there's even more work going on behind the scenes of these, like, little... You know, like, one little, you know, blowjob video or whatever. Like, that probably took, like, an hour and a half to shoot. Well, they had to find a site and stuff. And, Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, you would think probably. And then, like, the manipulation of people to, Mm -hmm. like, even get them to that point in time where they... Yeah. I, I don't know. Like, I... I don't really know how I feel about like that uh, endeavor at all. Like, I don't know if I feel like people are ma- manipulated into. I mean, I know there they are some, but I also feel like if you just come to the notion that like it's all just manipulation, then you're kind of assuming that all people are fairly weak, mm-hmm. right? I mean, it's surely some of them just sort of enjoy. It. But like, think about like how much time it takes them to get to the point where they're even 
performing in those pieces. Mm-hmm. It, you know, I mean, same same way with well, like how long it takes somebody to sit down and write a book or a story rather, or something. You know, yeah. right? Like it. <laughs> well, I think no, I think I think that man, I think that it's probably a mixed bag. But I I feel sure. like I follow a lot of people, uh, particularly on Twitter. And mm-hmm. you know the weirdest thing, man, is that uh, the porn stars seem to be some of the most well-adjusted people. Out and they're of... interesting and they're funny usually. Yeah, exactly, and they, exactly. They, they have they have really good self-deprecating humor, and they're not just like unleashing on uh, politics in a way that is like half-baked. Yeah, right. usually they do seem a little bit more centered. Uh, yeah. Not, I mean, the ones who I've seen. Like, I'm not generalizing, but yeah, definitely the ones who I've seen on Twitter and stuff who have, like, a more robust following, mm-hmm. they seem like pretty fun people. Yeah, and you know, um, the, and, the, and the thing is, is that considering how much they're they're getting paid and, you know, I mean, like, most of these, most of these folks, men or women, are in their early 20s and they are living the fucking life, dude. Yeah. You know, like, <laughs> like they're young... I'm assuming, you know, actually, now that I think, now that I'm talking about their money, that makes me think about this new dilemma that I have. Cause you know, I go to Pornhub and stuff mm-hmm. and, I, and I, I heard that, um, audible documentary from John Ronson, you know, um, mm-hmm. you, you know, John Ronson, the, uh, so you've been publicly shamed. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Which yeah. is a really, that was a cool book, man. Yeah, that was cool. So he did this, uh, audible documentary called the butterfly effect. And it was essentially about the creation of Pornhub and about how all porn is free now. And it sort of made me think about it because, you know, I get salty when people download movies and mm-hmm. um, books and stuff. I'm like super, I'm pretty anti-piracy overall. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'll still pirate shit if I already have it. I don't want to pay for it again. So sure. I guess even I have limits to it. <laughs> but, um, but and then I was thinking about it and then I was like, oh, I think I have this complete blind spot when it comes to porn where I've just always thought of it as free. You know, well, I think the morality plays into that, right? Because like we feel like, because right, like if you steal drugs from a drug dealer, nobody gives a shit, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. Like there's no morality there. So right. yeah, so what you, what you should do is you should find like a porn Patreon or something mm. and just donate a little bit of money to feel better about yourself. Yeah, dude. No, that's... I, I, I wouldn't suggest full on getting subscriptions though, because then you're then you're like. Uh, you're, you're you're less a voyeur and you become sort of a connoisseur of porn, and then after that, <laughs> it, could, it could probably only go downhill. <laughs> once you, once you commit to the life, you're probably coming uh, back. I just be that guy in the comment, the, the people who comment on Pornhub, you know, just like oh, just greatest. like, oh man, that would make my dick come so hard. It's like, oh yeah, like what? Like who would take the time? <laughs> like who would just would set aside a portion of their day to comment on a <laughs> video like oh this is so great i really gotta throw my two cents on here but yeah, yeah that's a great yeah exactly well i guess uh you know so that's a that's probably a good segue into hey sip is coming out that's exciting <laughs> yeah, that's <a> good <laughs> yeah on in a few days from now yeah so we'll see it'll be out we'll... i'm gonna put it out on on tuesday so hey okay, today so it's out hey. today <laughs> yeah yeah go go buy it fools mm. um Please, my wife would appreciate it. No, I'm just kidding. Do you want to do you want to do you want to talk about it at all? We can. We can do whatever you want, man. Let's go. Let's go for it. Let's rock and roll. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So, so I read it. I thought it was really, really good. Um, thanks, man. I uh, I actually, you know, to be honest with you, man, I didn't know how you were going to tackle like a full length novel, but I feel sure. like you, I feel like you pulled it off really well. Because you know, I mean, like you and I are really the reason why I say that is because. 
I feel like you and I are super, super similar, and uh, I don't we have short know. attention spans. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so, no, I'm just kidding. No, no. I mean, it's true. I mean, at least on my yeah. end, but it's it's like some of that. Yeah. I don't know how I would pull it off. So, um, how did you like? Yeah, how did you just like? How did you? Did you approach it and like try to approach it like a like a normal thing? And then you're like, oh shit, I got to reevaluate how I how I approach this thing because this is big. I mean, the only thing I knew that like at the beginning is it was going to take more time than all my other projects. And it did. It ended up taking me like three or four years. And I knew that I wanted it to be highly compartmentalized sort of the way that it is right with the smaller chapters. And there's like sections to it. And I knew the conceit. And then I don't know. I mean, the book that's coming out on Tuesday is probably like the fifth draft i mean so there there were like characters in the first draft who didn't make it (laughs) you know Mm -hmm. to the end and i think this is the first book i've ever done that with Mm -hmm. so and i don't i don't i mean not to like say that like i'm much more into revision because of this book i don't really know that's the case but i didn't like have any deadlines for it in my own head i was just like i'll just peck away at this and try to figure out how to make it work as i as i go now so i started it wrote uh motherfucking sharks wrote the last horror novel in the history of the world put out um uh, the shape of every monster yet to come and then finished this book so like i worked on it like not as my only project right so like i worked on other books while i was working on this book and it was just kind of like Worked on it some here, some on it there. It took a lot in terms of figuring out like how things were gonna like line up and where I should put mm-hmm. things next. Mm-hmm. And like I tried to like know the whole scene before I really sat down and and did the scene. I didn't try to know the whole book, but like each scene, I tried to kind of like have a concept of you know the whole the whole thing before I sat down. So I don't know. I mean, it it, it was. I, I, I probably did some of that with sharks, but sharks was just so much shorter. Right, right. So yeah, I think I remember you sending me the first chapter of this. Like you did, yeah, you like did actually four see the years ago or something, yeah. like four or five years ago, and yeah. and it's actually I think it's I think you have the same opening line. Is that is that? Ah, uh, it's a good question, man. I don't think so. No, in fact, no. I know not because uh, I never called it sip until my agent said that we should call it sip and i don't think the verb sip is in the first line and i think i added that after we did the title oh, change okay but okay. two i can't remember no you know how. what no because you know what the scene i remember now the thing you sent me actually started off with the guys on the on the turrets I think yeah that, i think that was the first scene was the, so yeah it was the it dudes like watching yeah yeah it changed a lot man like over the like a whole lot it was kind of bizarre Mm-hmm. Uh, how much it changed and how many and not just like structurally but also at the sentence level i did a, i mean i worked on it a long time but um I it's weird to to like have something be in your brain for that long to be honest with you mm-hmm. it's kind of creepy in some in some ways man. oh really i don't i mean not like creepy like scary or anything but i mean you just you will <laughs> The characters become sort of like these rag dolls that you use in your brain, and you use them in a lot of different ways, and you try to figure out the best way that you use them, and then you commit that to the story, right? So, like, they've sort of lived alternative lives um, 
within the context of me writing the book, but just never hit the page. And mm -hmm. so it's kind of it's odd because you realize that what you're doing is like figuring out if you created a universe, how would the things function within it? So you're kind of like selecting, right, the best scenario that you're capable of, capable of thinking up. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's kind of creepy because then it reveals to you in some way, shape, or form which scenarios you think are better than others or something. I don't know. I mean, writing's weird as fuck. <laughs> <laughs> I, like that, I like that you go down these really interesting rabbit holes and then you, you get to a point where you're kind of like in the dark and, and you're, you're, get, you're getting towards something really interesting and then it's, it's, like, it's almost like you've, you've stripped naked and all of a sudden you, you realize everybody can, can see your, your, your dick, right? And then you're just like, oh shit, well, um, I, better, I, better put, I better, this is all weird. Yeah, I probably shouldn't be showing you this. Like, this, is, this is strange. This is my balls and, you know, whatever. Um, but no, yeah, man, I mean, I, I think it is, uh, like that's a, that's a really interesting concept, like creating characters and having them be almost sock puppets, right? And then yeah, I mean, that's... and then it's like you know, it does make you kind of think. And I know that it's all art and you know whatever, but you know, if you're writing these situations where these characters are continuously like, I don't know, like raping each other or whatever, it does mm -hmm. kind of make you think like, why do I keep? Why does it keep going there? You yeah. Like... Well, and then you, you and you start to see too, like not only in your production of the piece, but in how other people accept or reject the piece once they finally read it that all that's really being done is society's norms are being revealed right so like whatever i choose to have happen in a book is really just some semblance of like a reflection of what could possibly happen within society mm -hmm. and then i have to decide you know like which one of those versions would be the most applicable to the people simultaneously enjoyable to the readers right so applicable to my characters enjoyable to readers uh because i i don't know i mean i think about readers when i'm working on books some people say they don't good for them whatever um i don't think about like every reader but i think about like a construct of like a reader i mean i i think about audience to a certain extent but then you just kind of realize that what you're doing is just broadcasting these sort of um, societal constructs it's not really it's not really choice really i mean it's selection you're selecting what can happen within the world of a novel and you're determining whether or not your selections are are viable to readers in some way shape or form like will they pay for the selection that you've made and so right like every every dialogue line or every plot construct anything that happens within the arc of the narrative you're you're determining whether or not your selection uh, in some way, shape, or form has value to it, which is fairly bizarre. Have you ever made a choice that you kind of felt was like maybe not going to go over well, but then you did it anyway? Um, yeah, uh... Or did you, or I guess the question is, is like, are, when, when you're doing this, do you always land on something and think like, okay, all things considered, this is the best way forward? Uh, but then is there, are there some points where you're like, I'm not, I guess I, I could go that way, but sure. it's like, it's like, do you ever want to just like throw a monkey wrench in it and just like watch, watch, it's, watch everything burn down in some ways. But then like, so you think about like, so like the stranger by Albert Camus or maybe even like so, so any writer, right. Who has this sort of philosophical agenda mm -hmm. where it's like what they're trying to do with the book is present a kind of thought process borne out by the notion of having a philosophy that is not necessarily 
the mainstream philosophy, right? And so, I, and Cormac McCarthy, I think, does that too. I think, I mean, there's plenty of, Ayn Rand does it, whether or not you appreciate her philosophy. Like, all of her characters' decisions are borne out by this concept that she has a philosophy that she wants to uh, showcase in, in a world that she's created. And so I think like writers like that ha have constructed books like that for us to, I guess, look at, and we can see how that works. My own philosophies, uh, my own sort of opinions of how people should and do behave um, permit me much more freedom because I have much less concrete notions of humanity. I feel like we are made to vacillate, and I feel like a lot of the problems that we have right now is that we've been so extremely polarized, and it's so much easier to be on one of the edges of the spectrum, and it's so much harder in our society to vacillate now that, like, I, I feel like there can be vacillation with my characters, and I feel like there can be some sort of inconsistencies, and I feel like, honestly, there should be more inconsistencies in writing right now than there are, because whether or not you're looking at, like, Albert Camus and seeing, like, uh, absurdism borne out in his fiction, or if you're looking at, like, uh, George R. R. Martin and seeing like the constructs that he does in his in his fantasy writing, like I feel like both styles of those writers are being way too um, precious to the fact that there's a a way that the universe should work. I my own opinion is that the universe will fail in logic time and time again, and so so like yeah i mean that's a really long way of saying like yeah i'll do stuff that i think doesn't necessarily uh, make all the sense in the world if i feel like it helps reveal the character um or that it feels fun <laughs> well it's, i mean it's, i mean i guess that's kind of like the gg allen thing right it's like you know mm -hmm. i don't i mean maybe smearing myself in shit and shoving a banana up my butthole isn't the best idea but no. it seems like fun right now, and it'll probably get a reaction. But no, man, I think that that, that uh, kind of opened up a can of worms, because, you know, that's some shit that I think about a lot. <clears throat> and, you know, the internet seems to get more and more polarized. And mm -hmm. what's interesting is that I think the characters that you write about are probably more and more accurately representing people who have logged off the internet. Um and I'm I'm really interested in in these kind of people because you know we have, um, I guess we don't even think about it in these terms anymore. But there are people who just don't go online, you know. Sure. I mean, they have to exist, and I think that the way the internet has like the internet obviously like it curves towards extremes on whatever end, and it's really hard to not get caught up in a slipstream and find yourself on one end of the polarity right actually and it's it, and it's not a binary thing right it's like this weird pentagram mm -hmm. or something with a bunch of different points to it that you can end up sure slipping down into but i do think that people who um well it's like the the kind of people that i knew who just you know who just went on the internet to like for example i work with a, a uh, this woman named doreen and she's 74 and she loves facebook to death but she just goes on to see what her family's doing you know, yeah, and, and and Facebook to her is one hundred percent just like seeing what her great grandkids are doing, and but there's also like there's guys like closer to our age who are you know just going on there to see what people are saying about the latest I don't know Oklahoma City Thunder basketball 
sure. trade, you know. Um, everybody's not in this fight the way that I think we might think they are. <laughs> you know what I, I mean? I, I feel like the real problem, or not problem, I once you start contributing a lot, then you begin to understand, and, and once you start watching your own habits when you become a contributor to the spectacle that is information online, then you begin to realize that what you're doing is modifying your viewpoints in order to get the most value, most valued reaction. Or at least I felt like that, that happens to me. My assumption is it happens to most people. And like when I get on Facebook now, I can't help but wonder how long people spend taking a picture that they post with a small caption, how many times they retook the picture, diddled with the filter, how many times they retooled that statement in their mind, right? Because mm -hmm. that's a lot of work to present something that is supposed to be what you think or feel when what you think or feel really is immediate, yeah. Right. And so I feel like we're doing this thing where we're training ourselves to not trust our own thoughts and feelings and or, or to edit them many, many, many times. I don't know. It, it's kind of weird to me. Like and so I'm not I have a Twitter account that I use so that I can like follow some people and mm -hmm. like follow like news and stuff. But I don't really contribute ever. And like it's not under my name. It's under a fake name. And the not contributing makes me feel like the relationship is a much more healthy one because I'm consuming. I'm getting like some news off of it or some entertainment. Once you start contributing, you start really spending a whole lot of your life or, or mind or mental energy. I felt I did anyway. Taking my life and turning it into content. And it felt really gross to me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I would. Not everybody's like me, though. I feel like a lot of people can have more healthy emotional disconnects. I I have a real hard time. Uh, uh, I don't know, like sharing my emotions and not like having that have an impact on me. Mm -hmm. Like I don't like I don't know, and I I don't know if everybody feels that way. But if well, I if I if I say my opinion out loud, and it's an opinion that I that could bother people, even if I really agree with that opinion, if I know that it could bother other people, then that bothers me. <laughs> I, yeah, I know what you mean. I know what you mean, and it's I mean it's a reason why I've I've sort of backed off. Like, <clears throat> I don't know. I've been reading a lot of uh, books and uh, mm -hmm. taking online courses and stuff like that. And, um, last night I watched like five hours of this online course I was taking. And mm -hmm. by the end of it, I thought, I was like, oh man, I have so much knowledge right now. Yeah. And I went to Facebook and I was going to type in like some of the cool stuff that I learned. Like, Hey guys, guess what? And then I just started thinking about like what the responses to the post would be. And I knew immediately that it was going to be mostly people who already knew what I was talking about, acknowledging that they already knew what I was talking about, mm. and uh, people maybe flexing a little bit to show just how much more they knew than I did about that subject, 
which happens sure. every time. Every time you learn something, the only people who respond to it are the people. Oh, who actually, right? Yeah. <laughs> are the people who who already know about it, and they're like, yeah, oh totally, yeah, totally. I mean, I even have friends who do that who are who are sweethearts who. It's like anytime you read a new book and you say, "Hey, check this book out." There's always that one friend who like has already read it. You know yeah. what I mean? And they're well, that's like, how, "That's kind of how." I'm, remember how music was like that in the nine? Well, shit, it was probably just, I was a teenager. I don't know if it was that it was in the nineties, but yeah, like like if you would say that you liked some new album, if somebody else had heard it before you, it's like they owned it more than you did right, or something. Right. I feel like that's the same with all other kinds of knowledge too. It's right, like. It's if somebody, like knows a thing before you it's like they discovered it <laughs> right, right right exactly and they and they and they don't want to talk to you about it. they just want to let you know that they already know yeah. anyway so like there so there's that so i was thinking about that and then um you know and then i realized that i just had this deep overall outside of you know this class that i took and wanted to post about it what was the class oh it was a class it was a, it was really cool it was on the history of um grimoires like books of spells and magic so oh, wow. like and i was cool. just like i was just like tripping on. i was like this is so cool um but anyway so it, it even outside of that and uh you know just opinions in general i was just <laughs> I, I i i felt like standing on the edge of a deep abyss and just looking sure. in and just being like do i really want to throw this like i started thinking about my thoughts as like little coins right and it's like do i want to sure. just toss this coin into the a bit and i i don't yeah i don't which doesn't speak well for my brand by the way like my my brand is about to take a hit because i don't but you know man i'm it's like i'm actually writing more and i'm doing like this online novel thing and stuff like that and that's and then this podcast and like that's sure where, where i feel like putting my energy and i just i don't know i just don't feel like there's any value in facebook for me right now like i don't have i'm, I'm kind of neutral about it right which is like mm. i used to hate it and you can't hate something because you know obviously hate isn't love's opposite you know it's indifferent I, indifference is the opposite now i'm starting to feel indifferent right sure i think i have a deep appreciation for people who can use it and also not use it mm -hmm. meaning right like that but that's me though like i, I tend to be I get real hung up. So like I, I even notice that like if I, if it's a day that I've used my internet quite a bit on my phone, like I just keep coming back to it, right? Like I'll have yeah. to set it down and like start reading a book or go outside, and like I mean it is a certain sense of de detoxing. Right. Um, but that's the same way with like alcohol for me. Where <laughs> Wait, oh, that's, that's, I, that was good timing. I just cracked. It was pretty good timing. Yeah. Whereas, like, right, um, I can't just drink like two beers. I have to, you know, get totally plastered. Mm -hmm. I I feel like my compulsive behavior inhibits me from doing lots of things that other people in society uh, do mm -hmm. um, with much more poise than I would if I did them. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah, I feel like I was at a point like that now. I think I'm at a sort of, I don't know, maybe a slightly different area where, you know, I quit smoking and mm -hmm. I meditate a lot now and I, I exercise and stuff like that. And I'm just letting myself have the beer thing for right now, you know? Like I mean, I'm, I yeah, you should. You should drink beer as long as it's not a problem for you. <laughs> <laughs> right. I, I mean, and I'd say that as me being a lot like, that was, you know, shit. I've, I think that everybody needs their vices, 
I have vices that, you know, I don't drink anymore, but everybody has to have some shit that they feel a little bit conflicted about, I mm-hmm. think, right? Like, or yeah. not conflicted that, like, I mean, you just do. You have to have things that um, that feel like guilty pleasures, I think. Uh, and, and I, I mean, I'm sure some people live in a very chaste life and they don't have a lot of guilty pleasures, but most people who I know who are of any interest have a few things that like mm-hmm. they understand or um not necessarily you know it's a guilty pleasure well, yeah, it's not no, I mean, the most productive thing but well totally i mean and it's one of those things where for me it's 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 just been a matter of sort of mitigating that those impulses you know what i mean you quit, so, sm- you quit smoking that was that pretty hard um yeah uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. For uh, for the first, but only for the first like three days. But it's and weird, that's... man. It's hard. It's it's hard to explain because, um, the first day was absolutely insane. Like that was once I got past the up to twelve hours, I was fine. I I thought to mm-hmm. myself like, oh, this is gonna be a fucking breeze. And then hour twelve hit, and that's when shit got real. Right. Yeah. I think my body had been, you know, because from sleeping and blah, 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 like my body mm-hmm. would be used to taking 12 hour breaks. But after that, it was like, all right, it's time to re up. And that's oh, so. when the real shit started. And so there was yeah. about a day of that, which was just really hard to explain, but it, it incredibly difficult because it's such an incredibly bad feeling and such an easy way to fix it, you know? It's oh, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh, oh, dude, all you got to do is go to, like, a pack, uh, of, a pack of cigarettes. for cost, this. <laughs> it only costs $5, man, $5. And then you can quit after that after that pack. Um, dude, but, I, bought, I bought a few packs. Like, so, like, I'll smoke when I go to do stuff, but, like, this past winter, it was my first winter in up up here in indiana and it's really great and probably over the span of three weeks i bought two packs of cigarettes and i remember being like dude you're an idiot you're gonna end up getting (laughs) and even like even then like i threw away like a half a pack of smokes Mm -hmm. and it was so hard to do like i i put it in the trash can like in a park walked probably about 40 yards away and i was like should i go back and get those (laughs) Like and I remember just being like, no, probably not. Right. You want to go fish him out of a park garbage, you degenerate piece of shit. Yeah, exactly, exactly, <laughs> dude, exactly. So I think that, uh, but the toughest thing about it, and why if uh, if you're listening to this and you've never smoked, never smoke, is that um, <laughs> the craving will come back, and it's been almost five months now. Uh, and I'll have a big meal, like I'll, mm-hmm. I'll I'll eat a bunch of curry or something, and I'll be full, and I'll sit back and I'll be like, God damn it, I want to smoke. You so know? you be, you know what you you know what you do instead of do, instead of doing that, you go on Pornhub and make <laughs> and comment on some videos, and it'll take away the air. On on, on the on the smoke on the smoking yeah, videos. Tra- transfer your addiction to commenting on like on Pornhub <laughs> videos. What do you do? I comment on porn flicks. I comment on it. Anytime I feel like doing it, I just go on there and I'm like, God damn, she's got a big old dick, you know? Like, Dude, I wonder I wonder if like, like, you know how like an AWP writers meet up for the first time and like they've met each other through comment sections on shit? Mm-hmm. I wonder if like 
Pornhub commenters ever meet up in some way. Not like it maybe real life, but if they're ever like, hey, man, give me your email and I'll shoot you juicy links or something, right? Oh, like, I dude. wonder if there's, you know, there's got to be some sort of social construct amongst those people. I'm going to open that up. Would be a, that would be a good documentary or something, man, to learn about the commenters. I'm going to open I'm up. I'm sure they're all. I'm going go. to open up a, a video on Pornhub and I'm going to see if there's any comments here. Hold on, just see if I can give a good example. No, no, you, we should tell you. This is this sounds like research or science <laughs> or something. All right, so this video is called "Her Boyfriend Is Clueless." Cheating slut gets fucked in cream pie. Sounds nice. Ooh, that's that sounds so wholesome. Yeah. All right, so the first the, the first comment, dude, is from the guy in the video. No, it's not. Yeah, it's yeah, it's a, it's from Mark Rockwell. He's got the blue check like on Twitter. Sure, sure. He's verified. Yeah, he's verified. So it says, "Thanks for watching. I enjoyed blowing my nut all up inside her." Smiley face. I wonder how many times he like <laughs> he like typed in a sentence and then deleted and was like, "Is that what I really want to say?" Oh, dude. Or do you check this out? Check this out. This so this comment is from Horny for You, right? It seems to be rare that guys talk dirty like that, but I think it's super hot and wish more men did it, smiley face. And then Mark Rockwell responds, thanks. Some people like it and some don't. I do it because so I'm just being me. <laughs> He's lurking his own. Yeah. That's like when you and I, like if we have. On like Goodreads, a... dude. Yes, exactly. It's like us on Goodreads or on Amazon. Or oh, my God. Oh, that's amazing! All right, I'm gonna do one. I'm gonna do one you more just to see if I can find some. Is it? You know what? The, you know what the difference is? What? He's getting he's getting paid really well. <laughs> <laughs> All right, hold on. I'm gonna do one more just to see. This one's called uh, "My Stepsister with Big Tits." So, okay, right. I've seen that one. <laughs> The first, the, you, the first response. You realize people are gonna listen to this and they're gonna think that we're bad human beings. That's all right. That's okay. The first, okay, then the, that's cool. I'm down. The first one is uh, from Gandalf two seven five nine, and it's a okay, picture of so, Gandalf, which which brings up like a really beautiful crossover of sci-fi, right? Because that's sci-fi <laughs> porn fandom right there together again <laughs> and it says the comment is in all my time in middle earth i've never seen something like this <laughs> and then the, this comment from wow 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 11 is did anyone hear kendrick lamar's new album <laughs> and the comment after that is yeah it's pretty good what's your favorite song <laughs> not the right venue for that conversation at all oh dude somebody should make a tv show sort of like um midnight but where, but where people just read the comment section of pornhub that would oh, be dude. amazing it's classic it's classic yeah. i i don't think i've had this much fun in a long time <laughs> Get off, you must not be hanging out in my part of the Shire. <laughs> right, right, right. All right, all right. This is this is a lot of fun, so I'm gonna I'm gonna do one more. Um, okay, you should. Oh shit! Oh shit! Okay, that one was loud. Um... <laughs> all right. Uh, this one is called. This one's called Brittany White enjoys a good fuck. Which, okay. All right. Fair enough. Who um, doesn't? Who doesn't? Right. 
Uh, and so she's black. So okay. um, the first comment is, boy, does my throbbing white cock need some hot chocolate pussy with two hot with two hearts. Two hearts. So that's nice. Uh, the I think it's pretty cool that you can drop emoticons. In, yeah, in, yeah. Uh, I also think it's interesting that porn is like the last place where racism is like okay. You know, it is okay. So how many comments are like on on that particular video? How many comments are there? Uh, let's see. Um, boom, boom, boom. Oh, I can log. I can sign up to post a comment. Um, you have to sign up to post comments. Yeah. So. Well, mm. okay. So there's 17 on this one, but let's see. I've seen this video a couple times. It's from Dad Crush. <laughs> it's called Hot Sisters Seduced and Fucked by Stepdad. Okay. So uh, this one is popular, so we'll see. This one has 177. That's a lot of comments yeah. for... Yeah. I mean, you know, YouTube videos, if they've been watched a lot, they'll have a lot of comments too, but that seems, that seems pretty gratifying, right? So if you're having a bad day and you were in one of those videos, you could log on and see how many people have commented <laughs> on them and feel good about your uh, contribution to the world. <laughs> there's a... There's a comment from somebody with an obi-wan kenobi uh <laughs> avatar that says it's over anakin i have the high ground and then, <laughs> then the response then the response is from anakin Skywanker, and it says you underestimate my power <laughs> oh anakin don't go you're gonna get fucked up man you're gonna get fucked up dude you're gonna get fucked up you're gonna lose two arms and a leg <laughs> Uh, this is good. This is good promotion for Sip, I think. Uh, I don't think we could have dreamt up a better cross promotional tool <laughs> than you and I talking about Pornhub comments. <laughs> I'm sure my publisher's gonna be like, "Way to go, dipshit!" Oh, <laughs> uh, I always feel right. Like that's kind of the weird thing about posting, right? Because you're you do it with a team, kind of right. Like mm-hmm. so. Um, I'm always like so I you know I have a very low self-esteem pretty much kind of like but spliced with like an arrogance too I think that most writers have mm-hmm. but like I'm always like I feel so bad for people who publish my books because yeah. I'm like at some point like yeah I'm gonna it's gonna look bad on you that you're attached to me somehow. <laughs> yeah no I feel that dude I feel that but then I, I just kind of roll with it I'm like you know I whatever. think I don't think everybody feels that way. I feel like some people are like, you're lucky to have me. I I feel like most writers who are pretty successful, right, like most household name <clears throat> kind of writers or like your Colson Whiteheads and stuff like that, Yeah, they're all very confident people. Like Col- Colson Whitehead strikes me as being very confident. Um, yeah. Yeah. Or even or Gary Steingart or Joyce Carol Oates or – yeah. Uh, Sherman, Lexi. I feel like they're all. Uh, you know, it's weird, man. They and all, they I, all do well have that energy. Yeah, yeah, I feel like they could be really good real estate agents mm-hmm. as well as mm-hmm. right. Like I, I just look at most writers who are successful, and I'm like, you have your shit together. And that's not why I thought writing was ever a cool thing. Right. Like no, it's it's totally it's totally uh, one thing that I've learned is that. Uh, like high school literally never ends and you no, you have to play this game you you know it's so interesting and I, i'm not and i'm not talking shit because um i thought these people were super cool but um me uh jared middleton and uh patrick wensink went out after jared's powell powell's reading right okay. and we went out with these really super nice 
uh, folks who were in, uh, they were, uh, it was a sales rep for Ingram, uh, mm-hmm. two, two sales reps for Ingram, I think is, I think is what it was. And I'm super bad with names, so I'm embarrassed, but I don't remember their names, even though they bought my drink, which, uh, you know, whatever. You're not um, obligated to remember anybody's name cool. if they bought you a drink. Cool. Cool. All right. So anyway, so, so we end up after the reading, um, we're all going to go get a beer and my, my speed is very much, um, you know, like a dive bar, right? With like sure. a $2 PBR and, you know, we'll mm-hmm. rock, rock mm-hmm. and roll. Um, but That's your demographic. Yeah, yeah. So we ended up going into like this place called Jake's, which is pretty cool. It's actually, it's the hotel where they filmed uh, My Own Private Idaho. Oh, sure. Um, so we, we go in there, but like we go in and there's like gentle classical piano music tinkling in the background mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. like waiters in suits and me specifically me and pat do you know pat wincing i don't know him but i know i mean i know who he is cool. i think we you know we probably talked on facebook back right. when i was on facebook right on well he's yeah he's he's a super cool but we both looked at each other like oh shit what like, did we do what do we yeah. do like like we fucked up here but basically like these two people and Jarrett, to be fair i mean Jarrett Jarrett's kind of a he he moves between both worlds um mm-hmm uh like they're in publishing and i noticed that when you get to these people probably a better example sorry for rambling by the way but probably like... a, probably a better example would be when i went to BoucherCon a few years ago in raleigh and there was all the indie dudes in like hoodies and jeans on one side and mm-hmm. then like all like the harper collins people were in like cocktail dresses and and suit jackets on the it's, other there's very much a class divide that is super real in publishing and oh you, and sure. you, you can't get around it and so basically like you know these folks they were super nice and they weren't bougie or anything they you know they but they had their it's it's the little things right like they had their glasses of wine while we were all drinking mm-hmm. whiskey and beer you know and um and and they just again not not not, not a comment not they looked clean not a commentary really on whether clean. they were yeah not a commentary whether they were nice or not or cool or not but sure different di- just different classes cleaner. you know cleaner clean, clean. yeah They're, they i mean when i go to awp like i'll meet somebody and i'm like you're you're too you're too clean for to like me you inspect their fingernails <laughs> hang out with them it's that i just feel like i've looked at you and i could tell by the look of you that you couldn't possibly like me that's and i feel like most people who are successful in this industry they don't have that in their brain which is weird because i feel like writers are supposed to hate themselves but maybe not maybe it's just me yeah yeah no 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 i get you man i get you i feel like uh hey do you want to talk some more because i gotta pee um what's up to you do you you have have more well i I would love to talk more i'm just making sure that i'm not keeping you from a fight or anything like that i think i have a little more time left so you could pee and then we could talk for at least a few more minutes and then i'll go watch the fight all right sounds good i'll be right back okay i'll be right here you know how it is that beer that beer it'll it'll make you pee It'll go straight through. While you were gone, I just found out I'm reading at the two dollar radio headquarters, mm. and I'm I I think I'm the first person who's gonna read there. I just found out, so that's kind of like, neat. Like I don't. Ever? Well, they just opened, or they haven't even opened yet. So I'm oh, gonna is that read Co- there. Is that Columbus? Yeah, I'm oh. doing something in Dayton the next day. So what 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 days are these? 
October the 4th and the 5th. So October the 4th, I'll be at headquarters for $2 radio. And then October the 5th, I'll be at the Ohio Library Council talking about how SIP is relevant to our nation's opioid e- uh, epidemic. I didn't come up with that topic. Somebody else did. They didn't even pass it by me. But that's uh, cool, man. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. Yeah. We'll see. Yeah. <laughs> um, anyway. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I've never done opioid. That's not true. I broke my ankle really bad when I was a kid. Uh, playing football, and they hooked me up to uh, uh, what's the M one? Uh, um, morphine. A morphine sort of every five minutes, I could push a button and get a hit of morphine. Oh, cool! Oh, that stuff was nice. Dude, like I've heard, I've never had it, but I've heard. Oh, dude, it was just delicious. Like you'd feel it hit your arm in this warm surge, and then like your whole body would just like slowly quiver mm-hmm. and like like unfold like a flower kind of and then you just be toast but like i would fight falling asleep because if i waited up five more minutes i could get another hit <laughs> and see, i i was 13 <laughs> oh that's funny man no yeah the only thing that i've ever think I, i've had liquid morphine before my friends called it jungle juice uh but there was one point at a party where uh my buddy had um his his thing of jungle juice and he's sort of like he's he, you're only supposed to get a drop and he kind of squirted a whole mm. uh, like millimeter or not millimeter but milliliter like uh-huh. in, into my mouth and i you know i ended up blacking out and all this mm. kind of crazy shit and did you wake up with riding on your body no no because i got all the way home i actually went home oh, nice. I, I can't remember if i got into a, no that wasn't the night i got into a fight there but um but it's so funny because he's a really good friend of mine, but he also, like, I'm not sure if his memory is bad or if he's bullshitting, but to this day, he and I argue over whether he squirted that much into my mouth or whether a mutual friend of ours grabbed the bottle from him, held me down, and squirted it into my mouth. I, I almost dropped a hit of microdot in my buddy's ear one night because, like, um... <laughs> because <laughs> i was tripping and i was like wake up and trip with me and he's like nah and i was like well i'm gonna drop it in your ear that's straight to the brain dude <laughs> and, and then he ran into, he ran into like a bathroom and locked the door which i'm really glad he did i don't yeah. think you should probably have microdot in your ear <laughs> well it's probably not, is yeah no it's probably not good it's probably not good but um he, he has children now too <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's pretty wild too. Like how how crazy is it like watching people have families and some people I sit back and I think, you know, like for example like Cameron, like Cameron has sure. a family, I'm like right on. Like 100%. <laughs> like he's going to be a great dad, he's going to be fantastic. When, when Cameron when when Christian was pregnant, Cameron and I were talking and Cameron was like, you know, one of the main one of the main reasons I think I'm going to be decent at this dad thing, Brian, is cuz like I see you and you have kids. <laughs> <laughs> And I know he was being sweet, but at the same time, I was like, "Oh no shit, dude, if I can handle it, you're going to have this thing wrapped up, bro. You're going to be When I met him, I... Because I knew about his work, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And I knew who he was. And I was supposed to go to the lazy, lazy fascist table and meet him. So, I, like, I knew about his writing through Race Red Press, and I knew about Lazy Fascist. Mm-hmm. I knew his name, and I'd seen him before on pictures of the internet. 
The first time I met him, I went to Lazy Vash's table, and I saw him there, and I said, I'm looking for Cameron Pierce. Because I I didn't think that was him, you know? Yeah, like, he yeah. seemed too calm and, well, like, you know, adjusted. Yeah. I, I anticipated him being very different. I feel like when I meet people, oftentimes they tell, they'll tell me stuff like, I thought you were shorter, uh-huh. or to me, or like, I thought you... Like, I don't know. I feel like that some people... I don't know. Like we, 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 I think we conflate people's brands with their identities and behavior. I don't know. It's mm-hmm. bizarre to me. Well, that is an interesting thought. Yeah, yeah. Um, which is good for me because I feel like people will find be nothing but surprised when they. That's actually, unfortunately, that is the truth. When people meet me in person, um, most people, their response is, "Oh, wow, you're actually, you're actually nice." And like, <laughs> no, yeah. You know what? It's yeah. weird, man. It's like I think I think people just expect me to be a a dickhead. So you know, I they... I, I anticipated you to be different. Not I don't know how, but uh, mm-hmm. not as not as like uh, yeah, you are much more kind, I think, than you would maybe come across in some ways on the internet. But right. then again, right? That's all based upon. Like, that's the other weird thing, right? It's not even you. It's my interpretation of you. So it's this yeah. very bizarre thing where it's like, you make me think differently about you when you're online. Right. <laughs> like, that's well, so weird. Been, and I, and I think that, like, I think I have a really strong uh, separation between people who I actually know and people on the internet. You know what sure. I mean? Because I, I feel like I am probably pretty, like, short and cruel. But I think it's because I just... I feel like putting that energy that like would be spent, you know, coddling people into being nice to people I actually like, you know. So that that makes a lot of sense because we only have so much like positive energy we get to share with the world. I think mm-hmm. why waste it on like, um, uh, you know, mild acquaintances. So who do you think is going to win this fight? I think it's probably going to be Mayweather, right? Like, I mean, he's he's the actual My... boxer. Yes, I mean every every indication leads me to believe that he should win fairly handily. Like, but it's I mean, it's the year it's the year of you know I mean not the year but it's the era of fucking Donald Trump winning. So I don't. It's like mm-hmm. Donald Trump winning the election and well, like, has, that, has has made me question everything. Like that's the other kind of weird thing about this too, right? Is like I think I mean you've definitely. I've seen people kind of equating Conor McGregor with like Donald Trump kind of like, and I don't know if that's what you're doing, but like I've seen that on the internet, right? Like that he's bombastic and that he doesn't deserve a shot at Mayweather and all this kind of stuff. Mayweather's a wife beater, you know? Oh, no, 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 no. I'm a hundred percent saying that it's because it's just that I don't, I don't, I don't know. No, I agree. I agree. it's, it's, It's this weird thing where like, for all things to be right and just in the world, I think Mayweather should win because I hate the idea that an amateur could get in the in the ring and win, right? Like I feel mm-hmm. I don't like that notion. I feel like you should have paid your dues. And he's a fighter; he's not an amateur, but he's an amateur boxer, right? So like for things to be right in the world uh, and make sense, I feel like the wife beater should win. It's the weirdest. It's very <laughs> bizarre. It's really kind of gross. What I'm really hoping happens. Is that it goes to about seven rounds, and McGregor starts kicking <laughs> like he just can't just, control just, himself. Just gives up and just kicks him in the face. Just once or oh, twice. Oh, that might be that might be the the rule breaking 
thing. The that, de- yeah, because he where he just fu- where he just fucking kicks him in the face. That would That'd be, be sweet. wild. That, I, I would love that. I would feel very good about the money that I'm spending on this pay per view. <laughs> then, dude, what if you cracked it? Like, what if you? What if that's the whole thing? It's like you know. I think. I mean, I think. So they definitely have a rule where he can't kick, and if he kicks, he's disqualified, and that's been stated. So my guess is, so even if like in later rounds he knows he's gonna lose, no harm in him kicking, right? Because he gets disqualified. Would he, would he lose purse? He looks cool. His base likes him. That I don't know. He might get fined. Right. But he's getting paid like thirty million dollars to do the fight. Even if they take a ten million dollar bite out of his ass, fuck it. He just got twenty million dollars and looked cool kicking a motherfucker <laughs> who beats beats his wife he, or beat his wife once. Yeah, yeah and like. Yeah. There's, it's a win-win. Make it till round five, and then kick the dude in the fucking balls. Yeah, that would be what, fucking tight. That's kind of what I'm hoping for. Yeah. Which reminds me, oh, I've got head is, over and watch the, the fight. All right, so so before you go, uh, yeah. I just I just I want you to do like a, a quick pitch for sip because it's out today, Tuesday, okay. the uh, 29th? Yes. Okay. So my quick pitch is. If you buy Sip, I'll love you forever. <laughs> I'll mow your yard. I don't know how to pitch a book, dude. I fucking suck at well, this. I tell you what. Come on, man. What's it about? Uh, well, uh, I mean, it's you know, it's about a world where people can get drunk by drinking their shadows, but they have to be shadows made by the sun. I'm sure that the sci-fi kids are gonna read this and fucking hate my guts. They go. You didn't make enough sense. You didn't have enough rules. Well, I mean, uh, uh, a, a shadow is actually a shadow is actually a lack of uh, ions. So I don't understand what exactly <laughs> what exactly are they drinking, uh, Brian that, Allen? Yeah, Carr. yeah, that's gonna be what it's like. Well, or it'll you know uh, it'll revolutionize everything. <laughs> <laughs> but those are the only those are the only two options. Oh man. Oh, that's great. Well, hey, man, thanks so much for coming on. Uh, hey, dude, thanks for having me. It's always fun talking to you, buddy. Enjoy the fight and uh, come back on. We'll look at more Pornhub. <laughs> it should be a standing <laughs> thing that we do. <laughs> All right, dude, bye. All right, take care. Bye.